Welcome back to the podcast, folks. Where are we at? March 2nd. It's already March. Goodness gracious. 2023. This year is flying by as they always tend to. As you grow up and get responsibilities and yard work. Pollen's out already uh, in, in the south, southeast. I've got friends up in Colorado that are shoveling snow twice a day, and uh, I could wash the pollen off my car twice a day. You'll probably hear the evidence of uh, the pollen in the air with lots of snorting and coughing and sniffling. I apologize, but cannot be helped. Well, uh, there's an earthquake in Turkey a couple weeks ago. And it does not seem that CNN, at least, is aware of it. Let's play a little game. Let's go take a look at CNN. This was a magnitude 7.8 earthquake, if I remember that correctly. And let's go see. Turkey earthquake. I'm curious how many people were, yep, 7.8 magnitude earthquake, February 6th, knocked down buildings, left entire towns in rubble, okay, CNN's top stories, I'm looking at their homepage, top left, Alex Murdoff found guilty of murdering his wife and son. Coincidentally, we'll talk some more about that soon. Couple sues for ter- fertility clinic. Reports show rising colorectal cancer among U.S. adults. Japan just found 7,000 islands it didn't know it had. Hear how First Lady advises President Biden. Dun, 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 dun. Russia warlord shares video allegedly showing Wagner fighters in Bakhmut. Something about Marjorie Taylor Greene. Nothing about Turkey so far. We're about halfway through their homepage. They've discovered a hidden passage in the 4,500-year-old Great Pyramid of Giza. Mm, What does the world section have to say? Australia's Aboriginal LGBTQ community takes center stage at Sydney World Pride. Nothing about Turkey. Peter Obi vows to challenge Nigeria election result. Putin ally Lukashenko and Chinese leader Xi Jinping vow to deepen defense ties. Vietnam names new president. Grand test for Indian diplomacy as American, Chinese, and Russian ministers meet in Delhi. Nothing about Turkey so far. All right, CNN's homepage, top to bottom. Let's go CMSNBC. Front center, Matt Gates, Pledge of Allegiance, Stunt took an unfortunate turn. Have no idea who that is. Don't have any idea what that is. Tennessee Governor, The Real Reason, Eli Lilly, by Matt Gates, Selena Gates, Kellyanne Conway, Trump something or other. 
White House slams GOP's Comer over comments about Bo Biden. Top videos, nothing about Turkey, Black History, it's Black History Month. Well, it was. We're through that now. Uh, Tennessee Governor, Business Immigration Group, Permanent Daylight Savings Time, Bill Gets Renewed, Pushed in Congress. That's might be helpful because this does get confusing. Nothing about Turkey. All right, let's try Fox. You never know. Fox. Dun, 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 dun. Animal Control. There must be some show they've got news. <laughs> Sorry for the sniffling. There's nothing I can do about it. Uh, this is a bunch of just ads for their shows. Nothing about real actual news. Huh. Fox.com forward slash news. News. And it's all just links to news shows and no actual news. Well, uh, all right, let's try the Associated Press. Is it like an AssociatedPress.com? Or maybe Reuters? This is me trying to figure out how to spell Reuters. Nope, that's not it. R O E R U E R O. All right, back to the Associated Press because that's easier to spell. All right, world news. Why Sarah Netanyahu? Hair salon trip ended with riot police. Kremlin accuses Ukrainian saboteurs of attack inside of Russia. Russian envoy says nuclear powers may clash over Ukraine. Deadly Greek train crash prompt strike. SpaceX launches U.S. Russia UAE astronauts to space station. That's of note. Italy closes investigation alleging COVID lockdown failures. Environmentalists blame 2022 Oder River disasters on mining. Paris Fashion Week. Europe. Nothing, nothing about Turkey. Nothing, 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 nothing. Why do I keep harping on this? Here's why. I lived in coastal Mississippi when Katrina came down there and taught everybody a category four slash five lesson about what the the violence the earth can bring on a place looks like. I drove from coastal Mississippi to New Orleans, downtown not too far away from the French Quarter. Two weeks after Katrina hit, everybody was still gone. Most of the city was gone. There was no power restored except for in a few areas. And I know what that looks like. I know what regional devastation looks like. I know what hurricane force winds, 20, 30 foot flood swells look like. And I watched a neighborhood that was just about destroyed, had no power, had no fresh water. The only thing they had was hope that the insurance companies would make things right because that's what insurance is supposed to do. And that maybe... (laughs) 
church organizations or uh, folks of that nature would come in and, and, and provide some help. And they did. Uh, family across the street from where I lived pretty much had to gut their their house, like the inside of their house all the way down to the, the studs, the wall studs, because it had all been inundated by ocean water, essentially. I believe, no, I'm not going to say that because I can't be sure, but a church organization volunteered, came through the neighborhood, brought building materials, brought builders, they ripped out all the soggy sheetrock and all the soggy insula insulation, replaced it all. They even did a couple upgrades to this guy's house. It's an older couple. And didn't have to and didn't charge a dime. This was all volunteer work. And these people have no, I have no idea where they were living because there was nowhere to stay. It wasn't like you could go to the devastated part of town in the morning after you get up from your nice Motel 6 or Hilton or Grand Marriott or whatever and with a you know a clean shower and internet well this is probably before the internet was as uh, ubiquitous as it is today but there was no coming from the clean section of town to the devastated section of town and working and going back to the clean section of town they got up in the morning from a tent probably somewhere washed themselves off out of a bottle probably used the same porta potties everybody else did, came to work with generators and gas that they brought with them, with building materials that they brought with them, replaced the guy's roof, replaced the guy's insulation, replaced the guy's sheetrock, taped, bedded, mudded, painted. When they left, his house was in pristine condition, and they did not ask for a dime. They didn't ask for water. They didn't ask for food. Of course, everybody went out of their way to help them out with that. But the point I'm trying to make here is that when it comes to relief efforts, you are down there in the trenches, in the swamps, in the grossness, in the musty, mosquito-infested, sweaty, hot, no air conditioning conditions that the people you're trying to help are. And... I see nothing in the United States mainstream media about Turkey. You know when you go to Wikipedia every once in a while, once or twice a year, and they've got that banner that pops up that says, hey, your $2 donation could help fund three days of uh, serving pages for free. I don't see any of that for Turkey. And what do they get? Where's the UN? Nobody knows. I see nothing. I have no idea what's going on in Turkey. Where's the relief effort? Are we loading up pallets full of water? Are we loading up pallets full of MREs? Are we sending the National Guard in there? Are, do, are there construction workers going in there? Do these people have FEMA tents? Nothing. We all live on the same planet. And although we're... In countries that are, in some cases, thousands of miles apart. We may never meet, you may never meet a person from Turkey. You may never encounter Turkish culture. But you live on the same planet and you don't care 
right? You're comfortable, listen to this podcast. My iPhone has plenty of batteries so I can listen to the whole thing. And those cats are over there with uh, no 5G coverage. No Wi-Fi. Buses aren't running because the streets are torn up. It's a rough situation to be in. And I'm not trying to implore on your generosity to go donate money to the Turkish refuse cause. I, I, I just am imploring you to be aware of these things. And if you can find it in your heart to find a way to somehow contribute to the relief effort and you do have the time to do at least some amount of preliminary research to find a worthy cause where 70% of your investment is not going to pay the overhead for a CFO and a CEO and a CTO and all that other nonsense where most of your money is going to the actual relief effort I would implore that that you at least give it some thought and maybe take a look at it. Alex Murdaugh. I believe he likes to be called Alec. Is up until this day and up until, well, not very long ago, a prominent attorney in Hampton, South Carolina, had two sons, one termed Buster and the other was Paul, who he affectionately called Pawpaw, which if you're from the South is a bit counterintuitive because Pawpaw is a term that you generally tend to bestow with great honor and pride onto a grandparent. Married, both of his boys were in their 20s a couple years ago. And, and the only reason I ran across this guy's story was uh, just happened across it on Netflix. And I kind of have a little bit of a tendency to watch things that are a little interesting and a little boring when I'm trying to go to sleep at night. Just enough to keep my brain occupied until it, the rest of me kind of checks out well I ran across the Netflix special a couple weeks ago on this case the details in the Netflix special were around his son Paul and this guy let's just say that they were fairly privileged I don't think he was filthy rich but he was fairly privileged had a boat at his disposal, a, uh, a lot of property where he could hunt and fish, a couple extra cabins where he could spend his leisure time, and he had a lot of friends. Well, I, that's irrelevant. One evening, loaded up, uh, I, I believe it was six of them, three dudes, three chicks, they went off to a party and they decided to take the boat because they knew they were going to be drinking. Actually, they started drinking before they got on the boat and they didn't want to worry about driving. So they took the boat. Went to the party. Paul was funneling beers before they even got started. Got trashed 
party was over. Some drama on the way back, but it, 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 sadly, eventually, the boat ran into a bridge pier, and Paul's girlfriend was thrown off the boat. Autopsy ruled that she hit her head on one of the pilings and subsequently drowned. Well, this was a couple years ago, and it was an unfortunate circumstance. The young man was brought up on charges, but I do not believe he ever spent a second in jail for driving under the influence. And if you watch the Netflix special, if it's still available, and I still haven't got to that topic yet, really. I'm not going to do it this episode, but it's coming. You'll see that some some funky things went on. Uh, The police investigation was very brief. Uh, his his parents and their helpers were allowed to come to the crime scene and tow the boat off. He wrecked his truck at some point. His parents showed up and towed the truck away. There was never an investigation, even though it was trashed. Uh, just, and I hate to say this because I think too many bad things are written off as a consequence of the good old boy, wink, wink, nudge, nudge situation in the South. Regardless, fast forward a couple years, that controversy is hanging over this family's head. And um, one evening, Mrs. Murdaugh and Paul are pretty brutally murdered on the property, on their own property. The only person in the vicinity is Alex. Just immediately subsequent to this, the law firm that Alec, Alex, I'm just going to call him Alex, whatever. Maybe I'll call him Alex. Whatever comes out of my mouth, we're talking about Alex Murdoch. Just prior to this, it was discovered, like within just a couple weeks, happened just coincidentally, one of the paralegals at the law firm that he worked at ran across a check on his desk or a document or a note or something like that, which raised some suspicion. The accountant started doing a little bit digging, which resulted in going back over some records digging, 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 and it was discovered that this dude has been defrauding his clients, their money from settlements. The folks in the law firm, money, he would borrow money, then he would borrow money from somebody else, he'd pay it back to the first person from the bank. It seems from the course of the the criminal trial that the accountant's brother-in-law, I believe it was, was involved in this at some point with extorting money and over over the course of the last 10-15 years, this dude is, has stolen about $4 million worth of money. The money that he stole stole? Stole? From his clients 
via his employment at the law firm, his partners at the law firm wound up having to pay back out of their own pockets, out of having to go get loans, and this resulted in the law firm eventually going bankrupt. He did this for 20 years. And during the course of the trial, the prosecuting attorney went through document after disbursement, after forged check, after check written to a fictitious entity, after did you borrow this, after did you pay that back, after just... This dude would, would take his, his clients settlement cases to court and steal the settlement. That aside, it looks like they found him guilty of the murder of his wife and son. And in a way, it's, 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 there's no, there's no easy way to say this. I'm glad they found him guilty. I'm not glad that they found him guilty of murdering his wife and son because were they complicit in his crimes? His wife maybe at some point may have gotten a little bit suspicious, but surely she wasn't involved. Otherwise he wouldn't have shot her in the face with a 300 blackout or maybe that was Paul his son he shot in the face with a 300 blackout and it was a shotgun that he used to kill his wife I mixed the two up regardless I'm glad they found him guilty I'm sad that it was for the murder of two people who may or may not have been involved in all the fraud that he committed over the course of his life I watched some and I'll still keep watching this trial because they're 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 just about the right size that I can sit there and kind of relax and just be getting into the boringness of well did you know him back in 1997 and what kind of tie did he like to wear so I kind of drift off to sleep the reason I'm bringing this up on this podcast was because I grew up just like everybody else did. The only thing you know about court is probably what you've seen on what you what you have seen on court TV, or whatever movie it is that you like to watch. It's like, oh, guilty, your honor. No, I object. And the 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 one guy can't say anything, and the other guy can't say anything, and the guy in the stands crying. Like, yes, no, that's the thing. And I saw him, and I've been watching this trial, and it is have a lot of respect for jurors I'll just say that and I also question why it is that there was such a huge room full of people sitting there watching this because it is not anything like what you see on television the other attorney is not going to jump up every time you say something and say oh I object your honor leading the witness and it's just question after question after question now what I did find kind of interesting was that you you cannot feed your witness a question. Uh, for example, uh, was the was the car red? W- was the car that Alec Murdoch 
was driving on the day of the incident read. Objection, Your Honor, leading the witness. That's cool because what you have to say is what color was the car that Alec Murdoch was driving on the day of the murder? Then the witness can answer it. So it takes away a whole lot of drama and really just you can say whatever you want to. You just have to frame it in terms of a question. And if you want to sneak if you want to sneak some doubt into the jury's mind, ask a little bit of a leading question that's got some drama attached to it, that's got a little punch. Like uh were you aware uh that your wife was having an affair? Leading the witness, Your Honor. Well, yeah, but now that is stuck in the jury's mind. Even though they the, the judge says disregard that previous question and strike it from the record and all that stuff. You still heard that. And if you're a juror sitting there with listening to, was this disbursement paid? Yes. Who paid it? The, 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 uh, the, uh, the firm did. Why did they have to pay it? Because he stole it. How about this disbursement? What date was it? January 12th, 1947. How much was it? $12.67. I mean, like, you're just bored out of your mind. And then some guy's like, oh, yeah, he was, she was having an affair. Yes, that's interesting, right? So I'm going to remember that. So there's this game that the attorneys get to play. This, that's, and I wonder how many cases have been decided based on that that psych these psychological ploys of catching their attention, even though this is a completely tangential topic, it can sort of lead a bunch of bored jurors around psychologically if you're very careful in how you do it. And these attorneys have to stand up in a room full of people with another attorney who knows the same games and knows the same tricks in front of a judge who's also very aware of that because he's got a lot of experience. And, and, and weed this delicate tapestry. I found that kind of interesting. Also, just thinking about what it's like being a juror, like eight hours, I'm going to go sit in a chair. I'm going to get, you know, maybe a 10 minute break before 11 and then a lunch and then come back when I'm all tired from my, I, I hope to have good food. I really do. And then three o'clock comes around, you're looking at your watch, which you can't bring to the trial, you can't play with your phone, you have to take notes, you have to pay attention. This is the 427th disbursement that you've heard about that this dude stole, and you don't care. And this isn't even a trial. This dude still has 99 pending cases of fraud, even though he just got today, March 2nd, 2023, Convicted of murder of his wife and son. He still has 99 pending. <laughs> if, but it, and I'll say this because it's a little bit funny. He stretched this out over 20 years. This dude had three properties in some of the primest real estate in South Carolina. Joe Mercedes Benzes. He was a lawyer. Kids had everything they ever wanted. I mean, if you're going to do it, this dude did it. I think it's disgusting. I could not sleep at night. Oof. Anyway. Also, I found very interesting that they brought a the DNA, 
this is this is the the cool thing over the course of my life was the discovery of DNA and being able to to retrieve DNA from like a dead body from 20 years ago and tie it to somebody who may still be alive and like say, hey, definitively, this person committed this crime. They brought the DNA analyst to the stand. And her testimony was not anything like what I would have ever imagined it would have been. And to emphasize my point, here's an example of what the folks on this jury sat there for just for this particular witness's testimony, two and a half hours. All right, check this out. For item 56, um, the DNA profile was interpreted as a mixture originating from two individuals. For the comparison to Margaret Murdoch, the result is the DNA profile is approximately 35 times more likely if Margaret Murdoch and an unidentified, unrelated individual contributed to the mixture than if two unidentified, unrelated individuals contributed to the mixture. For the comparison to Richard Alexander Murdoch, the result is the DNA profile is approximately 100 quadrillion times more likely if Richard Alexander Murdoch and an unidentified, unrelated individual contributed to the mixture than if two unidentified, unrelated individuals contributed to the mixture. And then just like before, because we had two individuals who were included individually as contributors to the mixture, we have to run the comparison of them together to make sure that the DNA profile can be explained by a contribution of DNA from all of those individuals. So for that comparison, the DNA profile is approximately 240 quintillion times more likely if Margaret Murdoch and Richard Alexander Murdoch contributed to the mixture than if two unidentified, unrelated individuals contributed to the mixture. Um, there's also a statement that because um, that first comparison to Margaret Murdoch um, had a likely a ratio result that is on the lower end of our scale, um, we want to put more emphasis on that result when comparing her as a contributor to the mixture. So the likelihood ratio for Proposition Set 3, which was that comparison together, was calculated to confirm that the mixture could be explained by the contribution of DNA from all individuals listed under HP, which is that first scenario. Due to the disparity in the individual likelihood ratios between the contributors for this item, it is recommended to put more weight on the results for Proposition Set 1, which was that of Margaret Murdoch individually, rather than the results of Proposition Set 3, which is the comparison of them together, um, when considering Margaret Murdoch as a possible contributor to the mixture. Now imagine two and a half hours of that, and right at the end of that clip, to her credit, she, she's got this giant smile on her face because she understands that that was a bunch of gobbledygook and nobody really understood what the heck she just said. And I barely understood what she said. It seems like that 
with DNA evidence, you start off with a target profile, which consists of DNA from unindividual or individuals. Then you test to that profile. That's how I understand what she read. You don't start off with, hey, I got this dude's DNA and I've got this, say, like a, a knife that's suspected to be the murder weapon. I've got some DNA off of that knife. Do they match? It doesn't sound like that's the way it works. But I need to ruminate on this a little bit more. I found that to be very interesting and counterintuitive to the way you think things work if you watch television trials. Another thing I found really interesting uh, they, they had to, let's see if I remember this correctly. They had to, they waited a long time. I think it was up to two months after the murder before they got Alec Murdoch's phone to, did they say the FBI, the CIA? It was a real quick blurb. Somebody said it took us this long to get it to some authority where they could extract that's what they called it. They called it an extract from his phone. And this extract showed every time the phone went from horizontal to vertical, every time the backlight came on, every time the camera was activated, every time the flashlight was activated, every time the phone moved from point A to point B, how, long, how far it moved. And I didn't know this, even though I should, because of the work that I do. But every single thing that your phone does, every event, an event could be smash on the face to open it. I anything that would activate the acceler accelerometer to change states. Make a call. A button press. Hang up from a call. Send a text, send a picture, start a video, end a video, send a video, open an application. All these things, every single event. And an event for the folks who aren't like really technically savvy is say you're sitting in a chair, right? Just watching TV. There's no event. You move your arm to go grab the remote to change the channel. Moving your arm is an event. You've changed state. Touching the remote is another event. Pressing a remote button is another event. Like these are all events. These events are things that your phone can do. Going 65 miles an hour down the interstate is not an event. Going 65 miles an hour to 55 miles an hour is an event. Like your state has changed. Each one of these is recorded, it seems, from observation with this trial is recorded in, in a SQLite database on your phone. This harkens back to the Patriot Act back, I don't know, 10 years ago now, when we were also very concerned about allowing the NSA access to our the metadata from our communications. That was a big, huge deal because before nobody could get our metadata and, and I'm waving my arms and throwing air quotes all over the place. But after seeing this trial, 
and seeing what information they can get off of your electronic devices, the metadata from your cell phone calls and your text messages are inconsequential because they can seize your phone and tell when you picked it up in the morning and just about everything you did every time you moved with it until you set it down beside your bed and went to sleep at night. That metadata was such a big deal. I really wonder now, and this may be a good topic to go look and dig and see when exactly it became legal. Hmm. Would that even be a question of legality? I'm going to have to set that one aside right now because I bet that's a deep rabbit hole to dive down. And I'm running a little bit long. I'm not saying go check out this trial, I mean, but there's hours and hours and hours of video out there for it, and it's really not that entertaining at all, but it's very informative. Also, if you've never done it, go watch a congressional hearing. If the only thing you ever know about your congressman is the sound bites that you see on CNN or MSNBC or Fox, go watch a congressional hearing. I would say tell me if you're not surprised at the way these people really act when uh, it's not being chopped up into three-second clips and clip bait bites and all that other stuff. And I think you'd be pleasantly surprised to see that for the most part, most of them act like normal human beings and treat their, their witnesses and each other with a great amount of respect, as they should given their offices. Some of them take every opportunity to jump on their party platform and bang that sucker into dust for no reason at all. Those folks don't last too long. Well, except for a couple of them. Anyway, that's it, folks. I'm out. Um, hope everybody's staying safe, healthy. Watch out for the pollen. And uh, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Catch you next time. Peace.